Good morning, MCC. It's so good to be with you guys this morning. We're so glad that you're here. I want to get interactive this morning, so go ahead and hit the song, DJ. Come on. Come on, y'all. If you know this song, I want you to sing it with me. Clap your hands. Come on. Some of you are like, oh, man, you're taking me back. Does anybody know this song already? This song came out when I was born in 1984. Sing it with me. Come on. How many of us have them? Friends. They're on the screen. You can't mess it up. There you go. Let's see. There we go. Some of y'all could have avoided some bad relationships if you had first been friends, but that's a different topic. That's not what I'm preaching on today. We are kicking off a new series today called Tag a Friend, Tag a Friend. And for the next few weeks, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at stories in the Bible where people brought their friends to Jesus. So let me pray with you this morning. Father, we thank you so much, God. It is an honor, God, and always a blessing to be in your house. Lord, I thank you for your presence, God. I thank you that your presence is not only felt but seen, Lord. And so as we go into this portion of the service, God, as we dig into the word, Lord, I believe that you want to speak to us, God. I believe that you have a message for us, God. I believe that your desire is to transform us from the inside out so that we look more and more like Jesus. We invite you into this place, Holy Spirit. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. So we're looking at stories in the Bible of people that brought their friends to Jesus. And this morning, I, I want to start it off by, by reading a portion of Scripture of a story where this is happening. And it's found in Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12. If you have your Bibles, open it up. If you don't, that's okay. You can read off the screen here. Look at what it says. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it's referring to Jesus, it was reported that he was at home. So you can only imagine news is traveling. If they were text messaging back then, which I know they're not, the word is spreading, Jesus is back home. And many were gathered so that there was no room, not even at the door. So they're crowding this house around, which, by the way, it is believed that this was Jesus' home that they were gathering around. And when he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. Some of you would be mad at this point. How are you going to mess up my roof, right? And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they had these questions within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up, take your bed, and walk? What Jesus was doing there, if you're wondering, he's saying, anybody can say your sins are forgiven, but I'm about to back it up and show you that my father is backing up what I'm doing. 
He says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He turns around and he looks at the paralytic and he says, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. It's clear when we read this story here that these friends were on a mission, not for themselves, but for their paralyzed friend. They knew their friend had a need, and they knew based on what they had heard about Jesus, that Jesus could meet that need of their friend. So all they were focused on is getting their friend to Jesus. And as I was reading this story it brought this question to mind, where do I take my friends in their greatest time of need? Because here's the thing, how many times our friends have come to us with the need, whether it's a heartbreak because of a failed relationship, it's devastation because of a divorce, it's death in a family, it's a challenging season in their life, and let's be honest, many times we take them to everything and everyone but Jesus. Can we start by just being honest this morning? I know we come to church. I know we read our Bibles. I know we talk about Jesus and we believe uh, believe in Jesus and we put our faith in Jesus. But let's be honest, we don't always take our friends to Jesus when they're in their greatest time of need. See, it's easier for us to give our friends advice and opinions, our advice and our opinions in their time of need than sharing the healing that Jesus can bring. It's easier to take a friend to a bar or even go clubbing so that they can forget about their problem than to introduce them to Jesus or offer any other temporary fix. And the reality is, is anything we offer our friends outside of Jesus is just that. It's a temporary fix. We all know the buzz from the alcohol wears off. It's a temporary fix. The night out eventually ends and the emptiness emptiness still lies there. It's a temporary fix. Our own personal advice and opinions fall short. It's a temporary fix. But what would happen if we took the approach of these four friends? I mean, read in verse 3 what it says in verse 4. It says, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. They weren't rolling their friend. They didn't call for an Uber and say, hey, we'll meet you there. I don't know how long these four friends had to carry him, but the point is, is it was taking work out of, out of their, uh, their time, right? They were investing energy. They were investing time. They were carrying their friends, you guys. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, so they show up and they notice, man, this place is packed. Let's be honest again. How many of you at that point would be like, hey, man, it looks like you're not going to meet Jesus today. It's packed. We'll come back another day. Looks like your day is not today, man. Your miracle will come one day, but it's just not today. They didn't do that. What did they do? The Bible says that they removed the roof. They started to cut a hole. Guys, this is believed to have been Jesus' house that they were cutting a hole in. And they made an opening, it says, and they let the bed down on which the paralytic lay. What would happen if we took this approach of, I know a healer, I know a deliverer, his name is Jesus, and I'm going to do everything I can and everything in my power to get my friends to him. I'm convicted of the many times that I've seen someone struggling who doesn't know Jesus, and I've chosen to take the easy route of not saying anything about Jesus, 
and what he's done for me and what he can do for them. Can we be honest this morning? You've had moments where a coworker has shared something going on in their lives, and you know Jesus, but you take the easy route. Right? You see the cashier at the store down, and, and, and you can tell that she's been crying, but you, we take the easy route, and we say, what would they think of me? I mean, what would they think of me if I share Jesus with them? Hey, what if I offend them? Because we live in a time where everyone gets offended by everything. So I don't want to talk about Jesus, because what if it offends them? Or I don't know enough Bible, and what if they start asking questions about the Bible? Or, or how about this one? I'm not fully put together to share Jesus with anyone, so I'm just not going to say anything. Or I don't want to get to talking about religion with them. And, and let's be honest, the list of excuses are endless as to why we don't share Jesus with others. But have you ever stopped to think about this? Where would you be today if someone had not introduced you to Jesus? What if the person who brought you to Jesus had not stepped out of their comfort zone to share what Jesus had done in their life? What if they had not invited you to NCC or to whatever church you met Jesus in, in, in whatever moment that you found Jesus? Imagine that. Where would your life be right now if someone had not brought you to Jesus? What if they had backed away and said, I don't want to offend them. I don't, they look like they have it all together. But aren't you thankful that someone was bold enough to share the good news of Jesus with you? Aren't you thankful that someone was courageous enough to invite you to church? And it is in that moment that you heard the gospel for the very first time. And it not only changed your life, but it changed your whole eternal destination. Because someone was bold enough to step out and share Jesus with you. Guys, Jesus is not supposed to be our best kept secret. We're supposed to share the gospel with others. We're supposed to share what he's done in our lives with others. Romans 10, 14 through 15 says this, but how can they call on him to save him, save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have not heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. See, we want our friends to believe in Jesus, but do you see that there's a pattern that is followed here? In order for our friends to believe in Jesus, they first have to hear about Jesus. And in order for our friends to hear about Jesus, someone has to tell them about Jesus. And in order for someone to, to tell them about Jesus, someone has to be obedient to be sent and to go. Guess who that someone is? It's you. It's me. It's us stepping out and saying, Lord, use me in whatever way you want. I may not be fully put together. I may not know everything about the gospel. I may not know everything about the Bible, but I know what he's done in my life, and I can start there. I know where I was before, and I know where I am now. And although God is still working in me, I can share what he's done up to this point in my life. How can they believe if they first do not hear? And how can they hear if we first do not tell? And how can we tell them if we first don't go and be obedient to what he's calling us to do? There are stories periodically that I remind myself that the love of Jesus still has the power to transform anyone's heart. Anyone. A few weeks ago, I, I had lunch with a friend, and, and as we were talking, I said, hey, can you share your story of how you, found, how you came to know Jesus? Because every time that I hear this guy's story, 
it reminds me that God is still at work, that nothing is impossible for him. This friend of mine, his name is Brian Robert, and I asked him permission to share his story with you guys this morning. I was trying to get him here, but I couldn't. Our schedules did not line up. So Brian and I worked at Plains Capital Bank together, and uh, just looking and watching Brian's life, he was living a crazy life. Some people may have envied his life. To be honest, it appeared that he had it all together. He had girls. He had a good position at the bank. He had money. He tells me later on, I didn't know that in the moment, but he was selling drugs outside of his bank job. Yeah. And he would come back, and he's like, man, I just came back from Vegas, and we did this, and we did that. And, and, and I'll be honest, I never had a moment where I sat Brian down and, and, and shared the gospel with him, but I prayed for him. And I just tried to be a light when I was around Brian. But how many of us would see someone like Brian and think, man, he looks like he's having a blast. I don't want to disrupt what's going on in his life right now by telling him about Jesus. I don't want to mess that up. So all of this was happening behind the scenes. Brian goes through a horrible heartbreak. He feels like his career is falling apart. He's getting passed up from a a promotion that he had worked hard for. He had gone to school to get a degree because they told him that once you get this degree, we'll promote you to this position. And once they kept passing him up, he got left by a girl. He was hitting basically his lowest point. And when he hit that lowest point one night, Brian tells me he had given up completely, feeling empty. And in desperation for change and hope, he gets on his knees in his room one night and he cries out to God. This is not a guy who grew up in church, by the way. He didn't know about Jesus. He heard about him in passing, but he gets down just feeling like, hey, I've tried everything. He calls out to God, and he prays this prayer, God, if you're real, help me. He didn't know what else to do that late at night, and so Brian, being someone that played basketball all the time, he goes to to shoot hoops at the gym, and, and when Brian walks in, it was just him and this other older man that was shooting hoops across on the other goal. And that older man invites Brian over, and he says, hey, you want to play one-on-one? And he's like, sure. So they start playing one-on-one. He said, this guy must have been like in his 60s, and he was in better shape than me. He said, we played like 10 games. I'm completely worn out. I sit down. I quickly share with this guy that something was going on, but I didn't go into details. And he says that the guy told him, he said, if you think life without God is good, he said, it'll be 10 times better with him in your life. This is after he had prayed that prayer in that night. He said, I never saw that man in that gym again. I don't know who he was, but he believes it might have been an angel from God. Brian, knowing that I was a follower of Jesus, the next morning calls me, and I try to recall, recollect exactly how our conversation went. He calls me, and he says, hey, AC, he says, you're a Christian, right? I said, yep. He said, what does it mean to make Jesus your Lord? And I explained to him that it means to surrender completely to him, and he now calls the shot, and he's now in control. And you know what Brian's response was? But why do I have to make him Lord? Why does he have to be in control? I said, because you both can't be in control. Either he's in control or you are. And he goes, I don't know if I'm okay with that, and he hangs up on me. An hour later, he calls me back, and he says, all right, if I wanted to make Jesus my Lord, what do I do? I say, you pray a simple prayer, and you ask him to be your Lord. And he tells me, he says, can you help me? 
And of course, I was like, yeah, I'll help you. And right there over the phone, Brian made Jesus his Lord while we were at the bank. Come on, y'all can give it up for God. You know why I get emotional? Because I knew Brian before, and if you could see his life now. Not to say that this is, this is how everything is going to work out for everyone, but Brian is now married. He's been married for a few years. They have these beautiful babies, and man, he's just doing amazing. He's involved at Watermark Church here in Dallas where he's been discipled, and he's over a discipleship ministry. And I was talking to him this morning. He said, AC, I realized later on that that man at the gym lied to me. He said, life without God being a hundred times better was an understatement. He said, it's been so much more than that. See, guys, our job is not to predict what will happen when we bring our friends to Jesus. Our job is to simply bring our friends to Jesus. That's it. We try to predict what's going to happen when they come into these doors. We try to predict what's going to happen when we share the gospel with them. And what if they uh, reject me? And what if they're something else? And what if they don't believe in him? And we start to run through all these scenarios. And I would be lying to you today if I told you that everyone that I've invited to NCC has shown up. I would be lying to you if I told you that everyone I've shared Jesus with has responded to the invitation. But I've learned this. I do not know how they will respond, so why not just share? That's it. Why not just invite? You never know. Verse 5 says, and when Jesus saw their faith, referring to the friends, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Did you catch that? It was the friend's faith that put their paralyzed friend in position for a miracle from Jesus. Their friend's faith. Meaning that the friend, the paralyzed man, probably did not have the faith. But their friend stepped up. And we all have friends and family who currently don't have faith in Jesus. What if we started to activate our faith by praying for them and believing that Jesus can do the impossible in their life? So who are the people that you need to be praying for, you guys? Who are the friends that need to know Jesus? He says to him, he says, son, your sins are forgiven. And then we read later on in verse 11 that he then tells him, son, I say to you, rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. Notice that before Jesus healed the man physically, he had to heal him spiritually. If Jesus had not met the man's greatest need, which was his spiritual need, then the man would have been healed physically but still paralyzed spiritually. The weight of sin would still remain. And how many of our friends are tormented by the weight of sin, the guilt of their mistakes, feeling hopeless, not knowing their identity in Jesus and who he says they are? But I'm believing today that many of us are going to step out in faith and believe for a complete healing in our friends' lives, not just physical, but spiritual. That we're going to step out in boldness and share with those around us what Jesus has done in our lives. That we're going to see people's lives and eternal destinations be completely transformed through the love of Jesus. If this morning today you're here joining in person or you're online and, man, you're hearing this message and you feel a tug in your heart that he's calling you, that Jesus is calling you, you know you don't have a relationship with him. I want to take a few minutes before we close to share the gospel with you the way it was shared with me the very first time. The Bible says that we have all have fallen short of the glory of God. 
that we all have missed his mark of holiness, every single one of us. It doesn't matter how good we feel we are. As a matter of fact, Paul even says in the Bible that our righteousness are like filthy rags in comparison to his standard of holiness and good. We're all on a level playing field here. And that sin that caused us to miss his mark is the sin that separated us from a holy God. God is perfect, no mistake. We are not. And because there's a separation there, God could no longer stand the fact that there was a separation from the ones that he loved the most, you and I. So what he did is he gave the ultimate sacrifice. And why Jesus is referred to as the ultimate sacrifice is his death on a cross has paid for every sin that you've committed and every sin that you will commit. And because of Jesus, we have been put in right standing with a holy God. Here's the good news. That today, although it cost him everything, it cost you nothing. It cost him everything to hang up on that cross, to be tortured, to be beaten and bruised for our transgressions and our iniquities. But today, the Bible says that if we believe with our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that that's how we're saved. Actually, let me change what I just said. It cost him everything and it will cost us everything. Because in order for us to make Jesus our Lord, that means that we have to fully surrender to him. I have to give him control. I have to say, God, I want to live the way that you've called me to live. God, I want to be obedient to you. I've been doing life one way, but I want to do it your way. And so if today that's you and you're in this place or you're watching online, I want to give you the opportunity to make Jesus your Lord this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Let's all say this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I make you my Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me of my sin. Give me a new heart and teach me how to live for you. In your name I pray, amen. Can we give it up for those that are making that decision today for the very first time? Come on, guys, don't get so accustomed to just clapping. We got to cheer when someone's eternal destination has changed. Their lives have changed. We have a next step for you here. I'm looking at the camera because I know there are some of you that are watching right now. Your next step is to sign up for something called Connect Track. Connect Track. And this is an opportunity for us to go in deeper on what does it look like for us to, to make Jesus our Lord and, and what, is, what does it mean for us to have a purpose in our lives and what is the purpose that he has for our lives and the gifts that he's given us. And so go to newcommunity.co forward slash connect track and sign up today. We have an amazing, amazing team that leads that and they will welcome you with loving and open arms. For everyone else this morning, I've got two action steps for you today as we close. Number one, I want you to make a list of friends you want to see come to know Jesus and be praying for them. Don't let your mind go to how will they respond. You just start praying for them. If we believe that God hears our prayers, then why would it be impossible for him to change the lives of our friends and family? Make a list and just write it down and just pray over them. Maybe it's your children that you need to be praying for. Maybe it's your siblings. Maybe their parents. Let's not limit it to just friends, but make a list of people that you say, hey, starting this week, I want to start praying for them. The second action step is invite a few friends to come to church with you next week. As you walk out on the left there, 
there's some invite cards, and it actually says invite your friends. It cannot get any clearer than that, you guys. Grab a few invite cards, and this week, let's invite a few people. Can we do that together? Bring them to Jesus. You never know what will happen in their lives.